Blog Talk Radio. Glamour, fear less, diabetes late night. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, running down Santa Claus Lane. Like some blitzum, all the hills are ranging, pulling on the rain. Bells are ringing, children sing, all is merry and bright. Hang your stockings and say the Jewish Festival of Lights, with the holiday songs from Elvis Presley, courtesy of Sony Music. The song you just heard, Here Comes Santa Claus, is just one of the many Yuletide classics that the king of rock and roll interpreted with his exquisite new arrangements performed by the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. Since Elvis Presley is considered to be one of the most visible and influential uh, figures in rock and roll, I thought it would be a great way to end our year. From his early sessions at Sun Records to the end of his career and beyond, Elvis has albums and singles have enjoyed strong sales across every format around the world. It's estimated today that he has sold more than one billion records worldwide. Since Elvis's death in 1977 at the age of 42, there's been a lot of numerous books about Elvis revealing all types of secret revelations, including a few that claim that Elvis had diabetes. However, it should be noted that no medical evidence has shown to support this revealing uh, secret. I keep asking myself, would it really matter if Elvis Presley had diabetes? I really don't think so because... Celebrities' willingness to talk openly about their health issues has changed dramatically over the past 40 years since his death, so I assume that in his life he probably would have chosen not to talk about it. And I think that's why someone like Mary Tyler Moore, who we lost earlier this year, is so amazing. She spoke openly about living with type 1 diabetes starting in the late 60s and actually campaigned vigorously to Congress to get funding for type 1 diabetes with the JDRF. I also want to point out that today, later on this evening, the ABC hit comedy Blackish, starring actor Anthony Anderson, his character is going to talk about his experience about living with type 2 diabetes, and I'll be talking later about that with our own Patricia Addy Gentle, who actually, I think, met him at a few conferences around the AADE. Uh, one thing for sure, though, if Elvis was around today, is there would be certainly a lot more technical advances to help him treat his diabetes, especially when you think that he died in 1977 and the first easy-to-use home glucose meter didn't hit the market until 1981, the glucometer. So that would have been something that I think Elvis would have truly appreciated. 
And also, I think he would have been, um, since he was an insomniac, he would have really benefited today from all the new research linking sleep and diabetes. Now, if he was to be out about it, it would only seem to me that he would have continued to raise money for it because it's wonderful to know that the Elvis Rock and Roll Ride for Life has raised a significant amount of money for the American Diabetes Association on many occasions, and it's held in, uh, Nash it's held in Graceland in Memphis every year. All right, joining me tonight, we've got uh, Walking with PD author Eric O'Gray. Poet Lorraine Brooks is back. Can't wait to hear her latest poem. Susan Weiner will be joining us. The Charlie's Angels of the Outreach. Patty, uh, Patricia Addy Gentle, excuse me. I'm so excited that we're going to have Rachel Zimmon here to talk about one of our 12 gift ideas for the 12 Days of Blue Christmas. Dr. Mandy Reese will be joining us, and America's number one energy conductor, High Voltage, will be back again this month to tell us why gratitude is the attitude for the holiday season. Throughout this podcast, we'll be featuring more music from Christmas with Elvis and the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, courtesy of Sony Music. Before I play our next song, I just want to tell you that I am an Elvis fan, and I visited Graceland twice. Did you know that Graceland is the second most visited private residence in the country? right after the White House. Built in 1939 by physician Thomas Moore and his wife, Ruth, the property comprises 15 acres of towering oaks and farmland. But let's face it, I went for the jumpsuits. <laughs> and you should know that Elvis had one of the very first microwaves uh, in, in that home when I went. So the first time I went to Graceland, I actually went with my former boss, Luther Vandross, and uh, we had a great tour. They were so excited that Luther visited Graceland. And then the second time I had the opportunity to go was with my parents, Mama Rosemary and my father. Uh, uh, we were doing outreach in Memphis, and we took the day and we drove over there. And my mother, of course, has always been a big fan of fried peanut butter and banana sandwiches, so we had a great time, and I would totally recommend checking that out just to see all the records and the memorabilia, and it's just so much fun. All right, well, our next song was written 1957 by Jane, Jerry Lieberman and Michael Stoller, and it was first recorded by Elvis at the opening track, uh, track of his Elvis Christmas album. It's gone on to become quite a rock and roll Christmas standard. Here's our next song, courtesy of Sony Music. Got no sleigh with reindeer, no sack on my back. You want to see me coming in a big black Cadillac? celebrating a blue Christmas with musical inspiration from Elvis Presley. You know, a lot of listeners write into me all year long asking me, how do you come up with the topics for each show? And in this case, I have to tell you, it's slightly a no-brainer because Elvis's biggest song in the holidays is actually Blue Christmas. I think it's actually one of his biggest, biggest songs of all time. Uh, but coincidentally, Blue, to me, represents diabetes. I always think of World Diabetes Day and how they lit up the um, Empire State Building and all the major landmarks around the world on November 14th. And so that kind of brought segued into the idea of a blue Christmas for diabetes. And I also think that blue 
you know, most of us think of being down or depressed, and I thought it was a wonderful way for us to raise awareness for mental health issues related to diabetes during the holidays. So are you feeling blue this holiday season? Because research shows people with diabetes have strong, who have stronger support systems at home are not only able to adhere to their medications and diets, they also are healthier mentally. So why not open up this holiday season and talk more with your family about your experience living with diabetes? Now, I chose this theme also for a very personal reason. Uh, I am feeling blue this holiday season because I lost my father, Stanley Zadig, during the the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, My father lost a very swift battle with stage four bone cancer, and um, I'm so thankful to you listeners and everyone because I had such an amazing uh, memories with my father working on various diabetic outreach events, and uh, I just, it's been a difficult time for my mom and my family, but I, I, if I didn't have diabetic and those memories, it would be much harder, and you know, my dad wore a diabetic t-shirt every day to celebrate my accomplishments, and I'm so proud to be his son, that tonight I'm dedicating this show to my father, who always accepted and believed in me. And I just want you to know, for the past 12 years, denial has not been my style. So I wanted to talk openly about that and share this personal moment with you on my show. And I just want to, again, extend my gratitude to everyone who's ever attended a diabetic outreach event, participated as an educator, or uh, tuned into this podcast for um, allowing me to do this and in and this way honor my father. So uh, on that note... <laughs> I'm going to welcome my first guest, and um, so ha- glad to have her back. Please welcome poet Lorraine Brooks. Hi, Lorraine. Hi, Max. How are you today? I'm good. I'm glad to be back, uh, you know, doing what we do every month uh, in running. It's always great to host a podcast. And and I want to say again, uh, please accept my condolences. You and Mama Rosemary, uh on the loss of your dad, it can be very difficult this time of year. So just know that we're all out here for you and you have all of our support, as always. No, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I mean, you know, it's it's hard for me because obviously of my grief, but it's, you know, the holidays are hard for a lot of people living with diabetes because, you know, they feel the food police all, all around them. Tem- temptation is everywhere. A little later on, Susan Wiener is going to be talking to us a little bit about some of the indulgences and how we should um, take that on if we're living with diabetes and and how to celebrate the season without kind of compromising our health. Have you ever felt any of that uh, stress around the holidays with managing your diabetes? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, of course. Um, I think that's, you know, one of the biggest issues that uh, people seem to face. I, 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 I've gotten so that I treat Christmas and every other holiday just like I do any other day of the year. And that is, um, you know, I just am careful what I eat. And if I'm going to have some dessert, then I try not to have a carb at dinner or, you know, I'll cut it in half or something. I mean, I, I, my birthday is also right in the middle of the Christmas holiday. So I have to be super careful because it's Christmas and it's my birthday, then it's new year's. And, uh, you know, there's always a lot of celebration and temptation going around. So I've gotten so that I I just treat it like any other day. I, You know, if I'm going to have a, a treat, I'll, I'll allow myself to do that. If I'm going to have a little dessert, I'll allow myself to do that. And, and I try not to make myself too crazy about it. 
I love that, and I appreciate you sharing that because, you know, to me, uh, what we do at Diva Better is always just trying to talk about some of the topics I don't think get a lot of coverage. And I know from running a Diva Better club meeting several years ago at the McBurney YMCA that a lot of people with diabetes tend to avoid the holidays and celebrations just for many of the facts you brought up. So that's why I thought, why not uh, take it on tonight? And, uh, you know, do it divabetic style, which is always talking the truth and then playing a little bit music to lighten up the mood and, and meet a lot of fabulous people like yourself. And you do such an amazing job of kind of taking this concept and uh, bringing it to life as well through poetry that I'm dying to hear what you have tonight. Well, you know, you talked about um, uh, Blue Christmas and Blue being sort of, you know, feeling down and kind of left out of things and so forth. So that that was part of what I was thinking um, when I wrote this poem, which I did call Blue Christmas. Um, and uh, blue is also, though, the, the color of Hanukkah. So I want to wish all my Jewish friends a happy Hanukkah as well. And um, the name of my poem is Blue Christmas. Thinking about the holidays and all the endless cheer, carols, lights, and Christmas trees, and ringing in the year, Friends and folks and families all gather in the home. We look around at all the hope, but sometimes feel alone. While others eat and drink and dine, enjoying foods we make, I'm calculating insulin and how much I should take. If I want pie or something sweet, I have to stop and think. But other people can just eat and never have to blink. If I am honest and upfront, I have to just admit that all the food around me sometimes makes me want to quit. The holidays can make me sad with all that's going on. I wish sometimes I could just be glad and sing a happy song. It's better to be pleasant, though, and think of all I've got. And if I can remember it, I know I've got a lot. This time of year can be so blue, we have to just remember. It's only one month of the year only the month of December. There's lots of colors that I want to be, and I choose not to be blue. I'd rather be gold or purple or pink, and maybe lavender too. I'm not going to stress about all the treats. I'll try and be sensible though. And after I eat, maybe I'll go outside for a walk in the snow. So I will have a holiday that's full of fun and cheer, and I'll be happy and give thanks that I made another year. And I'll enjoy my Christmas day, and I will make it right. And I will have a Christmas that's just the way it should be, white. Bravo, Lorraine. I love that. I, I wrote it. I read it earlier today. <laughs> I didn't write it. I wrote it early. I read it earlier today, and I enjoyed it because I, I you know. I know it, for some people this is depressing to talk about depression, but I, I love the way you took it on, your spin on it, and then the way you walked us out of it as well. And just, you know, coming back to the gratitude, knowing that it's just this one part time of the year and also remembering all the other things you're trying to be sensible and, and about why it's so important to manage your health. Well, I think that's what you have to do every day. I mean, I think when you live with this disease, you, you have to be sensible about it and, um you have to remember that, you know, there are challenges and there are um, days when you're going to meet the challenges, you know, better and easier than others. 
And if you allow yourself to be upset and depressed about all the all the food and stuff that's around, then you know that that's what you'll be. But um, you know, I I I guess over the years I've developed a way of dealing with it. And like I said, because my birthday falls right in the middle too, um, I have to really be careful and and really be moderate and really pace myself. And I've been known to not have birthday cake. I've been known to have. Um, sugar-free birthday cake. I've been known to tell people, don't get me a birthday cake. And nobody understands that, but that's okay. You know, that that's the way I have to deal with it. And um, I'm not going to be blue this year. I'm going to hope for a white Christmas. And uh, I wish that for everybody else. And I want to say happy holidays and happy new year to everyone. And Max, it's been my pleasure to be on your show these these many years. I've lost track of how many there are. <laughs> But um, I, I want to wish you and your family a, a happy and safe and uh, and wonderful holiday season as well. Thank you. And those memories are a gift for me too, Lorraine. It's always great having you on the show. And guess what? Coming up, we're sharing some great gift ideas for our first ever Blue Christmas gift list, which might be a birthday uh, gift list for you, Lorraine, as well as get expert advice on managing your diabetes during the holidays. But first, let's take more time and talk about Elvis, people. After basic training at Fort Hood, Texas, Elvis sailed to West Germany in the September of 1958 to serve his country. He left with a heavy heart. His mother had died the previous month, and he was terrified that rock and roll would fade away during his time away. How do you feel, a reporter asked Elvis as he boarded a troop train. I just feel sad, Elvis replied. Well, I think that's a perfect lead-in to our next song considered to be a true Christmas classic. Here's Blue Christmas, courtesy of Sony Music. Certified Diabetes Educator, 
author, and the star of our Diabetes Mystery Podcast, Suspect Boulevard, Susan Weiner. Hi, Susan. Hi, Max. Thank you so much for having me on tonight. And Blue Christmas is also one of my favorite, favorite Christmas songs. I was bopping around as you were playing it. (laughs) I love the Jardineers who do the backup. I think it's brilliant. It absolutely is. And, of course, blue is the color of diabetes. And I believe that tomorrow night the Empire State Building is going to be lit up in blue as well. So very exciting. It was actually lit up two nights ago. I actually am going to post a picture of that on Instagram later. Well, you know, I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, we we reached out to our Facebook friends and fans and also the Diabetes What to to Know Facebook page and Cindy Lou's uh, Type 2 Diabetes Support Group page, which is amazing, and asked everyone this question, what makes you feel blue about diabetes during the holidays? And that's when I reached out to you because there were so many – so many uh, comments were about food, specifically like um, having to pay too much uh, time navigating what to eat, what not to drink, and checking our sugar levels, said A1. He was one of the people. Christmas cookies, someone else said. Not having the freedom to eat what I want is what Michelle said. And then Kim said, I always made cakes and pies for the family. I mean several cakes and about eight to ten pies. My own crust, too. Cookies for the kids, dinner, and dinner. Now uh, all I have to do are the sides. I can't cook anything anymore with sugar that my family will love or a special treat. Flip side of this unhappy situation is I get to be here and enjoy being with them. But it's still there's always a silver lining. But you could hear from that that a lot of people, food is a big part of how they celebrate the holidays and obviously with diabetes things change a little bit for them so what would you want to say on that subject uh first of all so true food is such a great pleasure in our lives and it does play such a huge role at holiday gatherings and it's always the main topic of discussion when people are planning holidays other than who's going to be at the gathering it's it's or where is the gathering going to be it's about what the menu is going to be and that puts a lot of pressure on people who have diabetes and people who are preparing food for people who have diabetes so we need to take a step back because it can be so overwhelming and going back to what Lorraine was saying every day people with diabetes do have to manage their self-management behaviors It does help to have a plan, and by a plan, I don't mean being rigid. I don't mean giving up everything you like, but knowing what to expect is so helpful so that you can somewhat predict what is waiting for you when you get to a party or your office or wherever you're going to be or if you're traveling. So first, find out what's going to be there so you can make preparations. Some people decide to eat a little bit before they get there so that they can make other choices when they are there if there are limited items. The second thing is to always discuss with the host or the hostess what some of your concerns might be. You may want to bring something that you want to so that you can have more of the healthy foods and maybe they would appreciate that. And third is Please indulge in some of the traditional foods of the holiday, but do it in a very mindful way. Mindful being means being in the moment 
of that you're eating it. So you savor the flavor of those very special foods. Try not to eat out of a container or out of a bowl. Put it on a good-sized plate and enjoy it. Enjoy it. And Max, it's really important when you are enjoying some of those special foods over the holidays to keep up with checking your blood sugar levels because your schedule's changing, what you're eating might be changing. But remember, the only number, the only bad number is the one that you don't know. So continue to check your blood sugar levels and enjoy yourself. The holiday is more than just being about the food. It's about being with the people who you love and enjoying the moment. I love that advice, but I do want to ask you a question. Like, what happens if you go in with the best intentions, but then, you know, Aunt Bessie comes up with, oh, my gosh, she made my meatball cookies that I love so much, and I suddenly realized it's an open bar, and so I begin to overindulge. I mean, what advice can you give someone so, like, a night out either on Christmas or Hanukkah or mm-hmm. New Year's doesn't uh, snowball into a much bigger uh, problem? The guilt has to go. We have to get over feeling guilty about choices that we make. If you decide to indulge and to have a little bit more than you perhaps plan to have or your blood sugar level is a little bit higher than you had wanted it to be, move on from it. From it. Forgive yourself for that indulgence. For sure, forgive yourself for it and move on. It doesn't have to continue on the next day. We just had Thanksgiving, and I tell people Thanksgiving is on Thursday. Do what you're doing on Thursday. Friday is a new day. Be grateful for those moments that you have and move on to the next one. I am glad that you brought up alcohol, though, because alcohol can be a real problem for some people with diabetes over the holidays. Number one, it can have an effect of lowering your blood sugar, and also if you mix it with certain sweetened beverages, it can also raise your blood sugar. So that can be a little bit tricky, especially if you start the evening with a drink and you don't have any food in your stomach, it may lead to other choices that are not as great as you would have wanted them to be. So try not to start with an alcoholic beverage when you come into a party or a gathering. Start with some sparkling water or perhaps some seltzer, but put it in a festive glass, like a wine glass or a champagne flute. The other thing I suggest is see what a serving of wine looks like. Perhaps at home tonight, take out a wine glass and pour in four to five measured ounces of water, fluid ounces, use a liquid measure, and see where that fills up to on the wine glass, just so that you have an idea of what an actual pour looks like. Because we know, Max, that if you go to Mary's house and she's pouring you a drink in her house, she's not going to fill up the glass to only five ounces. She may actually put eight ounces in the glass, and that's going to affect you different than a four or five ounce glass of wine. So those are just a few little tricks. I love it. All right. And, you know, I reached out to you earlier this uh, month, actually later, at the end of November, about great ideas for blue Christmas gift ideas. And you mentioned to me that I should uh, look up Downward Dog because there's a new book all about uh, yoga and diabetes that you thought was a great gift idea. 
Oh, I absolutely love Rachel Zinman's new book that came out about yoga and diabetes. It's a fantastic way to de-stress over the holidays and beyond. Let's, let's know that we all have a lot of stress in our lives with everything going on in the world and in our personal lives to boot. So I think that yoga is great. And what I really love about Rachel's book on yoga with for your health and um, for people with diabetes and for anyone else who wants to use the book is that even if you're a beginner, which I am a yoga beginner, I love her way of doing it very slowly and very confidently, especially the part about breathing. I get stressed out sometimes with driving and using some of her techniques on breathing has been very, very helpful for me. So I'm giving her book to a number of people as a holiday gift. I love it. Well, you know what? I'm sure there's someone on the show tonight who would love to hear that. And we're thrilled to have her come on because we have author, yoga instructor, Rachel Zimmon with us tonight. Hi, Rachel. Hi. How are you? Good. What a, le- what a glowing review you got from Susan Weiner, who's truly I one know. of the leaders in the diabetes community. So I- I'm thrilled to hear about this book. I know you were working on it. You've been working on it for a while. So tell everyone a little bit about it. Well, um, I'm a, I have type 1 diabetes, and I was, um, you know, teaching yoga for many, many years, and I was diagnosed almost 25 years into my life um, as a yoga teacher with type 1. And when I sort of looked out into the community to see um, if anybody had written a book on yoga for diabetes, it was really hard to find something. And I thought, well, I'm living with diabetes. I... I'm a yoga teacher. I should write this book because I think I can really help people to manage their diabetes with yoga. Um, So that's kind of how I came about writing the book. And then, you know, in the book, I really um, wanted to emphasize that yoga is for everybody. You don't need to be fit and flexible. And I think that's a big myth that's out there now is that, oh, we have to look like all those bendy, flexible, skinny people on Instagram. And really, yoga is for everybody. And as Susan was saying, especially the breathing and the meditation part, it's essential for us when we're living with diabetes. Um, you know, we've been talking, you've been talking about mental health and, and feeling blue. And it's just so important to have tools on hand so that you can just feel calm and relaxed and peaceful no matter what's going on around you during the holiday season. Well, and, and Susan's still on right now, but uh, Susan mentioned about the stress level, and I think for a lot of people they just get very overwhelmed with the holidays, which kind of gets them blue and down because they just feel like they're going to fail. So, you know, she, she brought up the idea of the breathing. Is that one of the secrets that you found has helped you Is is that kind of – being very aware of your breathing, and even for people who, like you said, haven't done any kind of physical activity before, have, might have neuropathy or other issues related to diabetes that might stop them from being able to get on the floor. Is that something they could take advantage of with this book? Well, definitely. I mean, I think I offer three different breathing techniques based on people's personal constitution. So the book sort of covers First of all, finding out what is my constitution, what's going to be the right kind of practice for me, what's going to be the right kind of breathing practice. Some people need something which is very colorful. Some people need things that are more um, focusing. Some people need things that incorporate moving the hands because they get easily distracted. 
Um, and so there's three very specific breathing techniques. And then there's the, the meditative aspect, because a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, I can't meditate because I have all these thoughts in my head and they're going to just, then I'm going to get lost in all my thoughts. But actually, thoughts are kind of like a, a, a screensaver. They're just there to remind you that you're awake and you don't actually have to get involved with them. A little bit like having, you know, caller ID on your phone. You don't have to pick up the call if you don't want to. So meditation techniques um, really help you to keep coming back to a focus, which could be the breath or it could be a sound or it could be an image. There's lots and lots of different concentration techniques or meditation techniques that you can use. So the book offers three meditation techniques and three breathing techniques as well. Well, I love it. And, Rachel, you know, I'm, we're going to have you back on the show in January, January 9th, to talk more about those breathing techniques and help us kick off a whole new season of Diabetes Late Night. Next year, we're really focusing on diabetes one ingredient at a time, and the first ingredient is mindfulness. So that's why uh, we're looking forward to having you back on the show in January. We posted links uh, for your book on our Facebook page, and you're also in our newsletter this month so people could get a copy of Rachel Zimmons' newest book, or your new book, Yoga and Diabetes. Uh, tell everyone, uh, it's on Amazon, is it not? Yeah, it's on Amazon. It's on Barnes & Noble. You can get it in your bookstore. It's uh, through IndieBound. And it's called Yoga for Diabetes, How to Manage Your Health with Yoga and Ayurveda. I love it. Thank you so much for being on the show. All right, Thanks we're going to take so a quick much. break. And- Play some more Elvis music. Coming up, we'll be hearing about how adopting an overweight dog transformed one man's diabetes life in a very positive way. But right now, I'm going to play my all-time favorite Elvis Presley song, which is widely regarded as a single that returns the king back to the top of the charts. Released in 1969, this is not a holiday song. It is Suspicious Minds, courtesy of Sony Music. We're caught in a trap I can't walk out Because I love you too much, baby Why can't you see What you're doing to me When you don't believe a word I say Welcome back to Diabetes Late Night. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedick. And one of the highlights of my year was singing Suspicious Minds with Lisa Fisher <laughs> at a Luther tribute uh, party we had. And guess what? Next year you're going to have the chance to see Lisa Fisher at the Blue Note as part of our first ever Fan Dross Festival event. It's combining music. Uh, Luther Legacy with Diabetes Outreach. It's all happening in New York City in May. I'm posting the dates on divabeck.org. I hope you decide to join us. I'd really appreciate that. All right, well, um, we're waiting for my big guest, Eric O'Gray, who wrote Walking uh, Walking with Petey, to be on the show. But before we get there, it's always fun to bring back uh, a scent detection expert, as well as a Diabetes Alert Dog trainer. Please welcome back to the show, Debbie Kay. Hi, Debbie. 
Well, hi there, Max. How are you? This is becoming a tradition to have you on the show. <laughs> yeah, well, I like that tradition. I could live with that. It's fun to be on the show. Well, I have a couple of questions for you because Erica Gray's coming up who wrote the book Walking with PD. It's all about adopting a dog. I know we've talked in the past that some people think that giving a live animal to someone for uh, the holidays is a great gift idea, but some, there's got to be some do's and don'ts to adopting a dog that I thought you could share. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, it's it's a very touchy subject because it is a live animal, and there is a big deal of responsibility when you do take on an animal. So the first thing you really need to consider is the person that uh, you want to gift this animal to, do they really have the time and, and the energy, and are they able to commit to the caring and, and welfare for that animal? And that's something a lot of people don't take into consideration. Then they find out later on that, you know, oh, my gosh, this is so much work and trouble, and next thing you know, the dog ends up in the shelter. And, and that's what we don't want to have happen. So that's that's the first thing that I always tell people. And the second thing is is that, you know, you can buy the maybe a puppy for a child or you could buy a, a dog for a girlfriend, a boyfriend, husband, wife. Uh, and you don't have to give it right at Christmas time. You could kind of get a, a card and maybe you could put some toys in there and a collar and a leash or a dog dish or whatever, and you could kind of give them the, the gift, and then they could go out and choose and buy the puppy themselves later on after the holidays. And that's another way of kind of getting around that. And then I wanted to ask you, I mean, if you have a dog for the holidays, you know, we just talked to Susan uh, Weiner about indulging ourselves, but a lot of people love to <laughs> indulge their pets around the holidays. Uh -huh. yeah. And I'm just curious, like, what advice do you give to people like that? Because they think now since everyone wants a treat, and I don't know if that's always the case. Well, if it's just that one day, you know, it's okay to give your dog a couple of extra treats. But the problem is what people are giving the dogs. So you have to remember not to give the dogs too too much sugar because that's not very good for their system. And they can get uh, diarrhea from that. They can overeat the sugar and they can start throwing up as well. And it could really throw them off for a couple of days. So, so you don't want to, you know, give them cookies or things like that, human cookies that have a lot of sugar in them. Anything that is uh, baked specifically for a dog, that's okay. But if you're going to be giving them a lot of treats, cut back on their food. And that's the part that most people don't get is that they forget to cut back on the food. That way you're not overfeeding them. And you've all, you actually wrote a post about uh, for us about Thanksgiving, about the best thing after a big meal is take your dog for a walk, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's good for you and good for the dog. And I think that holds true for Christmas as well. And, you know, the thing that we used to do after Christmas when I was a young kid is we would hook a couple of the dogs up to our sleds and we would go out uh, and have the dogs pull us on the, on the sleds. And the dogs really had a good time doing that. So that's, that's that's always a fun thing that you could do with the dogs or have them chase snowballs if there happens to be snow on the ground at the time. Well, and I want to throw one more snowball question at you. A lot of people want to travel with their animals this season, uh, you know, as a, um, um, a support dog on the plains. I'm just curious if there's any tips you have about traveling with an animal under those circumstances, especially in the major airports. 
Well, I think the first thing to do is when you book your airline reservation, tell them that you have some kind of an animal that you're bringing with you. And the airlines will tell you what they allow and don't allow on the airlines. So the best thing to do is, is just call ahead of time. And then there's a, a, a website, Canine Wings, and Canine Wings, and that's the letter K and the number 9. Canine Wings has got a posting of all of the current airline regulations for all the different airlines. And it is different from airline to airline, apparently, and especially if you're flying from one country to the next. I just got back, for example, from Italy, and there's a, a lot of restrictions about where you can take a dog and what you can do on an airplane with a dog when you're boarding in Europe versus uh, like you're boarding a plane in the States, you might be able to board the plane, fly to Europe, but then when you're in Europe trying to come back home, you might not be able to get onto the plane as easily. So those are things you want to check out ahead of time. I love it. All right. And we should tell everyone you're going to be back in January as well because you just got back from a yes. fabulous trip to Italy where you were uh, training people on diabetes alert dogs. That's such a hot topic. And uh, once again, in June, you and I are going to be reunited at the Mosaic uh, Farm Markets to host our diabetes alert dog fashion show again. And this year we're including glaucoma screenings thanks to the Lions Club. So thanks for joining us tonight, Debbie Kay. I appreciate it so okay. much. Well, thank you. I hope I hope you're an Elvis fan, because I certainly am. And coming up, we'll be talking yeah. about the hottest topics in diabetes. Plus, we'll find out how Elvis Presley inspired one woman to watch her sodium intake. It's time for more holiday music, courtesy of Elvis Presley. Our next song was actually covered by Mae West for her 1967 Christmas album, White Christmas. Here's Santa, Bring, me, Bring My Baby Back to Me by Elvis Presley, courtesy of Sony Music. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedick. We're talking about the 12 days of Blue Christmas and some of the great gift ideas. Plus, we're talking about some of the hottest topics in diabetes, but you don't have to wait to next month to find out what's trending in the diabetes community. You could check out Diva Bedick's Facebook page every day for new postings on the hottest topics and headlines in our community. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the deadline to, for open enrollment for the health insurance, as well as what's happening on ABC's hit comedy, Blackish with our one and only Patricia Addy Gentle. Please welcome her to the show. Hi, Hi Max. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. I, I want to kick it off because I know we're under a tight deadline with enrolling for health insurance. Uh, it ends Thursday, December 15th, the open enrollment. I'm curious, uh, why would this be important for anyone with diabetes to take advantage of this time right now in the next 48 hours? Well, health care insurance is important for all of us, but particularly those with diabetes because there are so many, there are multiple facets to, to self-management and taking care of oneself that includes seeing various providers and if you're uninsured and there is um, 
some type of a complication or even a concern, and sometimes just routine care to make sure that everything is functioning properly and healthy, such as kidney function, um, the card. So if you are a person with diabetes and you're at risk for um, developing other complications due to diabetes, it's really important that you have thorough care, not only with the, just the primary care provider, but be able to have those necessary referrals whenever they come up. So that is one of the most important reasons. Also, you're looking at uh, equipment, supplies, the types of things that are needed just for day-to-day -day routine care, medications. So diabetes can be costly. Um, it is not always the case, but should complications develop or should concerns develop where you need further assessment, then you want to be able to obtain the care that you need. I love it. So we should tell everyone where they could go to apply. They could go online to healthcare.gov. They could go by phone through the Marketplace Call-In Center. And uh, there's also a lot of people in your community who could help you because I know for a lot of people navigating the healthcare marketplace can be pretty difficult and also frustrating and stressful. Have you had any experience with people just not knowing the difference even between Obamacare, the Affordable Health Care Act, and health insurance marketplace? Yes, I get phone calls all the time from people who are trying to navigate the system and figure out what's best for them, um, you know, what should they do, what should they be looking for. Um, of course, if you've already established with a provider and you want to keep that provider, you're looking for something that allows you to do that. That may not always be the case, but you do want to have insurance that has the type of coverage that you may find yourself needing. Uh, you look at the deductibles, you look at various uh, things that may really uh, mean a lot and be very meaningful to you down the road. So uh, navigating the system, if you need help, then there is help available. You can even enroll uh, online, and there are health navigators to help you with that. I mean, not online, but by phone and use a health navigator in helping you to assist you to define what's best for you. All right, and let's move on to our next hot topic. It's happening later on TV tonight on the newest episode of Blackish, uh, entitled Sugar Daddy. The character Dre, played by actor Anthony Anderson, is diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, and after talking to Pops, his father, he resolves to cure himself of diabetes. Um, I always think it's great to raise awareness uh, around in, for diabetes in the media. I'm just kind of concerned about what you thought of that language, though, about curing his diabetes. And also going to bring in Susan Weiner on this, too, because it is kind of fascinating how the general public talks about diabetes. So first, your take on it, um, Patricia. And before you answer, we should tell everyone that Anthony Ed Anderson is actually living with type 2 diabetes in real life. He was diagnosed back in 2002. Yes, um, and, and that language is something that's thrown and tossed around um, in the media as well as just the general public. People with diabetes, of course, do want to get rid of it, but unfortunately by today's um, methods and treatment, we don't have a cure for diabetes. We can manage it. It can be um, 
something that a person lives with, and you can definitely, definitely minimize your risk for complications from diabetes, but we have not found a cure. However, there are um, weight loss and other implications that sometimes will help a person. Primarily, it's a lifestyle change. And so with those lifestyle changes, eating better and exercising, weight loss, numbers get better. I explain that like I explain um, how we grow grass and we look at our lawn and from time to time, especially in the winter, we'll find that there is not, no need to use a lawnmower or to mow the grass because conditions are not favorable for it to grow. And so when you're living a lifestyle that's not conducive to having a high blood sugar, that's a good thing. But it doesn't mean that diabetes has gone away. It only means that you're managing. You have lifestyle interventions that are helping you maintain the good numbers within the ranges that are acceptable. However, if you slip up and you're not living that same type of lifestyle, let's say with Anthony Anderson uh, lost a lot of weight a few years back, and he did it through lifestyle changes. And let's say he regains his weight, by reverting back to old habits, no longer exercising or getting the routine activity in, and eating differently, not being mindful of what he's eating, diabetes numbers will increase again, just like the weather being favorable to grow the grass. So when there is no sunshine, all of a sudden springtime hits, and we can't say we cured the condition of growing grass. The grass is there. The seeds are there, and they replenish, and they will sprout again. So those numbers will increase again if a person is not mindful over what they're doing in their lifestyle choices. So right, I, Susan I don't. Wiener, what do you, I want to? I, I love that, Patricia. Susan Weiner. What do you think of this? I mean, it said the character Dre, played by An, actor Anthony Anderson, is diagnosed with type two diabetes. And after talking to Pops, he resolved to cure to curing himself. Um, bouncing off and continuing on from what Patricia just said, and I and I just love that grass growing explanation. I know, I, I think that yes, it's it's really it's really great, and I'm going to borrow it with attribution, Patricia. I do promise. <laughs> I, I do promise. Um, I, I think that this language is is very important and it will definitely spur a discussion in the type 2 diabetes community. We do know that in some instances, like with NRU gastric bypass, there has been some studies which show that the only time that this word is used kind of properly in the scientific community, a reversal, and that is only if the weight is kept off. The danger here is that type 2 diabetes is a progressive disease and by no fault of the person with type 2 diabetes because of progressive beta cell destruction, and we know that the insulin is produced from the beta cells of the pancreas, with that continued destruction over time to no fault of the individuals, then your diabetes can re resurge itself and your A1C will go up, your blood sugar numbers will go up even with 
very good self-management, very good self-lifestyle choices with good nutrition, with physical activity, with stress management, with taking your medications as ordered by your healthcare provider. So even if you do everything that you were doing, the disease can progress in a negative way because of the progression of type 2 diabetes. We also can't pick our parents, so there's a large genetic component associated with type 2 diabetes. So I think that language can be very hurtful to some people who have lost weight, who are doing the right things, but do have high blood sugar numbers. We have to be really careful to not make people feel shamed or guilty to speak about it and to be afraid to continue seeing healthcare providers, registered dietitians, certified diabetes educators and the like because they feel they've failed the advice that's been given to them or they can't live up to a standard heard on a TV show. I agree. I mean, first of all, I think it's amazing that uh, diabetes is getting some airplay. I think it's always important. But, you know, I don't really see the um, – he, he didn't, you know, he does mention type 2 diabetes, but I know a lot of people uh, that will just go right by their ear and they'll be thinking uh, you could cure any type of diabetes. That's right. And we know that's not true with type 1. So, I mean, to me, it creates a little bit of a problem when people continually, you know, it just – as you both know as educators, and you said it, uh, Susan, language is so important that when you kind of cloud the message, it just it adds to more confusion, and I think it really bothers people. Uh, very true, and we know that the language paper that came out in November as a joint effort between the American Diabetes Association and the American Association of Diabetes Educator focuses on language of of encouraging providers and and the community at large to say people with diabetes, not diabetic, check your blood sugars, not test your blood sugars for fear of failure if you don't test, et cetera. So language is so important. And, again, as a certified diabetes educator, I, I'm learning. I learn all the time, and I've been doing this for 28 years, of how to improve my language skills and how to listen and the patient and the person with diabetes is the person who is the head of their health care team. Great advice. All right. Later on, you guys are going to give us some more great blue Christmas gift ideas. Uh, but coming up, we've got more Elvis music. Uh, we're going to – did you know that when Elvis, our musical inspiration, uh, when he was a child, he brought his mother down to the country store to buy a rifle, but his mother bought him a gun, a guitar instead – I just love that story. I hope more people take advantage of that. Let's give out guitars, not guns, this holiday season. Uh, here's Elvis's rendition of a Christian hymn published in, in 1779 with words written by the English poet uh, clergyman John Newton, Newton, courtesy of Sony Music. Let's listen to Amazing Grace.
listening to Diaries Late Night, and I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedek. Tonight, our musical inspiration is Elvis Presley. Unfortunately, Elvis had a very public battle with substance abuse, and I think that clouds probably some of his legacy. Uh, opiates are one of the biggest health epidemics which, uh, sweeping the U.S., and here to discuss that topic, as well as some of her favorite ideas for a blue Christmas and managing your medications during the holidays, is my next guest. She's a certified diabetes educator, pharmacist, and associate professor. Please welcome to the show for the very first time, when hopefully not the last, Dr. Mandy Reese. Hello, Dr. Mandy. Hello. Thank you so much for having me this evening. Well, thank you for joining us. You know, I was uh, deep into research for Elvis, which uh, meant I was on YouTube for like days and days. And uh, I reached out to you because I just kept reading so much about how many different pills Elvis was taking. In fact, um, his his brother, stepbrother, excuse me, David E. Stanley wrote in his memoir, My, My Brother Elvis, The Final Years, that he was taking a combination of, of drugs, including like 6 to 11 pills every day, all kinds of uppers, uh, some codeine, some barbiturates, along with a, shots of Demerol and um, opiate, pa- opiate pain medication. And that's just what the brother saw. So I'm just, you know, opiate is such a big thing in the country right now. I know a lot of people are... Uh, really hard-pressed to understand why it's happening, and many of us are concerned that we don't want it to happen to ourselves or a loved one, that I I thought it would be great, since you are a pharmacist, to talk a little bit about that. Sure, sure. I'll be glad to talk about it. Um, It is quite the epidemic in our country. Um, There are about 12.5 million people each year who misuse uh, prescription opioids, and it comes from a couple of different areas in terms of access to the medications. For adolescents um, and teenagers, they take the prescription opioids from their parents or family members, medicine cabinets. Um, folks can get put on op- opioids if they have um, a surgery and then they stay on it too long and aren't able to get off of it. Um, and it creates a, a cycle of addiction. And oftentimes, it's rural areas that are affected the greatest extent because in those areas, there you have an older population, um, physical jobs, which makes people more prone to having workplace injuries, and then fewer alternatives to pain relief such as acupuncture, physical therapy, and things such as that. And so... Talk a little bit about, um, I know like he w- these were drugs he was taking in the 70s. So much has changed. Some drugs, like you said, aren't as addictive as others. I mean, if people really, the number of deaths has, has quadrupled since 1999 yes. alone. I'm just curious, like if, where would you recommend people go to find out more about it? Um, well, there's a couple of different places. I would say the Centers for Disease Control has some great information. And then also the American Society of Addiction Medicine, they study addiction. And opioid addiction is a form of addiction. It looks quite different than alcohol addiction and other types of addictions that people have. But bottom line, um, it's addiction. And, you know, when I had and my I would- volleyball or, uh, injury earlier this year, they gave me painkillers. So uh, we're always saying at Diva Bedic that you should create your own healthcare entourage 
and have lots of people on your team. And I think my pharmacist is a is a great member to have on uh, anyone's team around their health. So if I'm concerned about some of the painkillers that were prescribed, is that a good question to ask my phar- my pharmacist? Like, is this a highly addictive um, drug? What do you you know? Is there an alternative? Like, how would can I take that question to you? Yes, yes, definitely. Asking your pharmacists are very knowledgeable in, in this area. And a couple of tips I have for folks is whenever you're taking a pain medication, whether it's for an injury, a surgery, something of that nature, is lower the dose gradually and try to taper and get yourself off of it after five to seven days and start incorporating um, ibuprofen and medications like that NSAIDs um, and taper that dose and try to be off the stronger pain medications like oxycodone, hydrocodone after five to seven days. And I just want to ask one more question before we move on. What happens if I only go through half the bottle of my pain medication because I'm afraid of addiction and I want to toss the other half out? What is the best way to me, for me to get rid of uh, that unused medication? Max, that is a great question. Um, you can actually take it back to your local pharmacy. Many law enforcement locations actually have a take-back box. Um, so go ahead and take it back to your pharmacy, take it back to your local law enforcement office. A lot of times they'll have a box and to take that back. And I do encourage folks, don't let these pain medications like hydrocodone, oxycodone, or even tramadol sit around in your medicine cabinet. Okay, now I'm going to switch topics and go back to Blue Christmas because a lot of people with diabetes are going to be traveling during the holidays. So I know with a busy season, it's sometimes hard to stay on schedule with your medications. And I wanted to get some advice from you about that. Okay. Um, The first thing, if I was talking to a person with diabetes, I I would ask them is what's worked well for you in the past as reminder systems. Um, So for other things that you do, what reminder system do you use that you know works for you? Of course, my favorites um, that I use quite often whenever I'm talking to uh, folks, whether it's folks with diabetes or other other people, is to set reminders on your phone or if you have watches like a Fitbit watch or an Apple watch, set an alarm, set reminders on your phone or your smart devices. And then then, also to work it into normal activities that you do, such as brushing your teeth in the morning and the evening time. Okay. And then I wanted to ask you, what happens if I forget my medication at home? Okay. So if you forget your medication at home, the best thing to do is go to the pharmacy, um, to a local pharmacy in the city where you are or the town and um, you can get um, your prescription transferred to that location and get a um, like a seven-day or a five-day supply of medications, enough medications um, to get you through for the time that you're going to be um, in that particular location. Perfect. All right. Now, earlier in the show, I mentioned that Elvis died in 1977, and that was before the first at-home glucometer was invented. Since that time, there's been so many great technology developments around health and wellness, and one of them actually made it to our 12 Days of Blue Christmas, and it was your recommendation. So what do you like to wear on your wrist today, uh, Dr. Mandy, to help you manage your health? Okay. 
I love to wear the Fitbit Blaze because it beeps at me to remind me to get up and move. Um, it also can track my workouts, so whether I'm running or I'm at the gym doing weights. And I can do a timer on it. It will track all of my activities as well as has, it also has a great tool, a relaxed tool. So I can slow down for two or five minutes and practice some deep breathing to help me whenever I'm really stressed out. I love that gift too. I wear it every day and it does keep you uh, stepping, uh, lively stepping, I should say, especially during the holiday season. Thank you so much for being on the show. And um, we're going to have to have you back next year because there's always questions around the pharmacy that our listeners want to ask. Well, it's been a pleasure being on. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Great. Well, coming up, I'm going to speak to my good friend, America's number one energy conductor, High Voltage, about how Elvis Presley inspired her to watch the salt shaker. Hmm. But first, can a Christmas classic be controversial, especially if it's considered to be one of the best, best, the most well-known songs? Wow, I screwed that up. Well, Elvis Presley recorded our next song, and the songwriter, Irving Berlin, uh, said it was a profane parody of his cherished U-Tide standard. He demanded the song was discontinued from radio play, while most U.S. radio stations ignored his request. Uh, one disc jockey was actually fired for playing this song. Here is Elvis Presley's controversial version of, are you ready for this? White Christmas, courtesy of Sony Music. controversial back in the day because you know when you think about music today wow there's a lot more things going on with what uh, people find controversial than that version anyhow my next guest uh, I've worked with her for so many years she's a health and wellness pioneer actually wanted to play white Christmas because she usually focuses on helping people avoid that white stuff called sugar but actually Elvis Presley himself helped her take on another white substance called salt. So please welcome back to the show my good friend, High Voltage. Hi, High Voltage. Energy of beauty, guys. Woo! All right, so how how the heck did the king of rock and roll inspire you to watch your salt intake? With you over the years, the program that I came up with to avoid the three white powders, flour, sugar, and salt, you know, I've been that way since the late 70s, but where that became a part of my life uh, and where Elvis fits in, and it's such a cute story because when I see Elvis Presley or hear Elvis Presley, I think of the rice diet in Durham, North Carolina. Some of your listeners may be f- familiar with it. It was quite famous 
in the late 70s and early 80s. Um, there was a Dr. Kempner, and it was literally a health retreat in Durham, North Carolina, where very wealthy and famous people came from all over the world to lose weight. Literally, I saw people arrive on flatbed trucks, Max, because they were like seven, 800 pounds. I mean, serious eating issues and eating disorders. And to lose 100 pounds was like baby weight. Um, so I had just gotten married to a very wealthy um, real estate guy. And he was a sweetie, but he was literally my first makeover, Max. So I knew I wanted to take 100 pounds off him, and I looked around to find out where was the real place to go. I was always good at that. And sure enough, it was Durham, North Carolina, where people literally would move down there, Max. And the whole diet was built on getting the sodium out of your diet. And working with Dr. Cuz, we stayed down there for, I don't know, almost eight or nine months, and you know, Dr. Kempner's whole thing was really, you know, getting the sodium out and this, you know, back then nobody spoke like this, Max, nobody. Every day, all the patients would have to do a urine sample, whether you were Elvis or Buddy Hackett or presidents of, you know, different countries. And what happened to Elvis is what happened to many people. People are always joking with each other and literally Right before I arrived, um, Elvis had been staying there, and he'd been very upset because one of the guests put salt in his urine sample, and Dr. Kempner thought that he was cheating. I mean, this place was hysterical, but Elvis, like many celebrities of that time, you know, they went down there. But what's really important is clearly Elvis had addiction, Max, you know, brain chemistry addiction that people are just starting to understand today. And he certainly had food addiction. And if you have that, you know, it's no laughing matter. Once you start to eat something, specifically, you know, sugar and salt, you literally can't stop. So my white Christmas is thinking of white powdery things and thinking of um, how mad Elvis was because somebody put salt, took a salt shaker and put salt in his urine sample. That's my Elvis story of Durham, North Carolina. (laughs) <laughs> no, that's great, and we're you know we're also talking about a blue Christmas, and you had some great uh, twelve days of blue Christmas gift ideas. One of them I want to talk about uh, focuses on how gratitude is the attitude, not only for the holiday season but all year long. You you have a great uh, booklet that you use that I wanted you to tell everyone about that that really helps you every day of your life. Well, it's called Daily Word, and it's something that I've given as a present for many, many years. And it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's religious. It's not religious in the sense of organized religion, um, but there are Bible quotes at the end that explains each, each day's daily word, but it's really universal energy and gratitude and positive energy. And if you start your day reading about gratitude and practicing gratitude and consciously and physically writing out every day, you know, a few things that you're grateful for, Max, you can't live in gratitude and be unhappy. I mean, it's almost impossible because gratitude and happiness go together because if you're focusing on what you have and are just being present and not letting your mind worry about tomorrow or yesterday, just being grateful for today, it's literally, you know, very difficult to be unhappy. 
So, you know, in America, we just compare everything to what we don't have instead of really focusing on what we do have. So this daily word, and I'm hoping, Max, because um, I know I sent you the address or how you can get it. I'm hoping it's on your, the website because I really recommend it for anybody who wants to start their day just kind of plugging into universal energy, and it really sets you up for success. It, it's amazing, not just for the holiday time, but for any time. I love it. And then the second gift I wanted to go over was um, hydration and why you thought a water system was so great. Well, Max, water, I mean, our bodies are like 70 80% water. Most of America is dehydrated. Half the time when you think you're hungry, depressed, tired, you're literally dehydrated. So many people really don't drink water. They drink juice, soda, sports drinks, you know, sweet tea, whatever, but they don't drink water. It's called Nikan, N-I-K-K-A-N. Um, I've been wearing their magnetic insoles and using their water filter system for many, many, many years. Um, our program, as you know, in most wellness functional medicine programs where let food be thy medicine, part of that is also staying very hydrated. And, you know, unfortunately, many of our water systems and many of the, you know, the bottled water half of the time is not much better than tap water. So if you're going to invest in your health, I really recommend um, a good water system. It doesn't have to be Nikon. That's what I've been using for years because, you know, just I believe it really, and it magnetizes the water. But even if you don't use any sort of system, even getting a Brita system, something, but, you know, and drinking up to, you know, 64 ounces of water a day is not excessive. It's what our body really needs to kind of operate. So very few people do that, Max. You know that. So, no, I love know, it. And if you want to find out what all 12 days of Blue Christmas gift ideas are, you'll get that tomorrow on our Divabetic E coming out Thursday, excuse me, our Divabetic E newsletter, or check everything Wonderful. out on org or our Facebook page. Before I let you go, High Voltage, I, you always say gratitude is the attitude, Max. I thought it would be great if you let us in one affirmation you think would be really helpful for people out there who might be experiencing a blue Christmas, and by that we mean might be uh, suffering from de- uh, depression uh, this holiday season, something that could lift their spirits and help it feel, them feel empowered through the rest of the holiday season. Well, one of my favorites is I'm happy, I'm, help- I'm happy, I am healthy, and I choose to be filled with positive energy. And I repeat that three times, end it off with energy up, Happy, healthy, choose to be filled with positive energy. And that kind of says it all. That's perfect. What a great way to end the show. I want to thank all my guests for being on tonight's Diabetes Late Night, the last show of 2017. Again, you can get our 12 ah. Days of Christmas gift ideas by subscribing to DivaBetic's e-newsletter at divabetic.org. Visit our Facebook pages or our YouTube channel. And check out all the dates around Fandross Festival 2018 when we're going to be celebrating the legacy of Luther Vandross. Remember, every diva has an entourage. I'm so glad to be part of yours. Let's get happy and stay healthy together. We're going to end this podcast with one of my all-time favorite holiday songs. 
written in honor of soldiers overseas who long to be home for Christmas time. My father was a veteran, Stan Zadek, and so I want to dedicate this song to the memory of my father who I lost over Thanksgiving. So uh, this one goes out to my dad. Happy holidays, everybody. Oh 